0: You're listening to Thrive, where every week we have meaningful conversations with incredible women like you, packed with practical tips and sisterly advice to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday gal who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. I'm your host, Erica Gwyn, and I'm ready to thrive together. Here's today's episode. Welcome back to Thrive. Whether you've been sober curious for a while or never even considered taking a break from booze, today's episode is for you. Taralina is a speaker, podcaster, and the author of Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You, And she's got a completely jam-packed, informative episode ahead that will probably blow your mind in the best sense. Today on Thrive, she breaks down what alcohol in any amount actually does to our bodies and brains, as well as what you can realistically expect from taking a break. She gives the full lowdown on why to consider a break, even if you don't have a problem with alcohol, and shares why she's personally alcohol-free after years of being a drinker. And beyond that, she gives helpful tricks and tools for managing the social side of it all, how to still have fun, loads of it, feel confident, even more so, and literally live out your wildest, biggest dreams, sans booze. Stay tuned through this episode, drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to, and now welcome Carolina. Carolina, welcome to Thrive. I know before we hit record, I said, I'm personally so pumped for this episode because we have never touched on this topic on the show before, but I think it is so important and so relevant and increasingly relevant in just kind of the personal health and wellness movements, the idea of living your best life and like really truly thriving, which obviously we're all about. So All that to say, you've been featured all over the internet for your work, helping women build, uh, as you say, vision bigger than a beverage, which I love, helping them break free from booze, learn to live, and really love an alcohol-free life. So tell us more, introduce yourself, give us the lowdown on you and where this incredible passion came from.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Erica, and for the beautiful, warm welcome. And I think it's just such an amazing testament to how much our... Like health and consciousness has really been raised in our awareness over the last few years, because back when I was really struggling with this, nobody was talking about it, right? Nobody was talking about it. And to even suggest that you wanted to quit drinking alcohol or that you didn't like how alcohol showed up in your life meant something bad about you, meant you had a problem, you had to wear Scarlet A and go to meetings. And I remember really getting stuck in that mentality, you know, um, just for a quick backup story, like I started drinking when most people do, I went to college, I really identified with like this party lifestyle, drinking made me an extrovert when I'm an introvert. Um, I really had no healthy coping mechanisms back then. So alcohol came in to help me deal with breakups and just everything, right? It was really unhealthy back then. Uh, But as I got older, I started to settle down and I started to get more interested in taking care of myself better and health and mindfulness especially. And so I did this kind of a funny mind trick on myself. I was like, okay, well, why don't you just live a healthy lifestyle during the week? You know, I go to your job, go to yoga class, drink your green juice, meditate. But then every weekend I still drink. I would go to your, you know, a friend's night out, a dinner party, a sushi night, game night, wine at home. It didn't matter what it was every single weekend I drink. And when you have this kind of eye on health and wellness and you just, you know, feeling like your best self, it's such a huge incongruency. Every Monday I woke up feeling horrible. Not only was I groggy, exhausted, but I felt so emotionally low as well. I felt so just behind in my healthy lifestyle, ashamed of myself, always really regretful. Even if I didn't do something like outwardly super embarrassing, I always just regretted being like the version of myself who was felt out of control or just felt like I wasn't living life in line with my values and intentions. And yet though, looking around at that time, there really was not that many resources around, you know, like if you quit drinking, what did that mean about you? You know, and I had this really black and white kind of idea about it, that you're either a normal drinker or you are a problem. Basically, you're just a problem and put that over here. Um, And it was finally when I heard about dry January back in 2018, that kind of something clicked in my brain. I was like, oh, I could just take a break from alcohol. Like, I don't have to explain this to everybody. I don't have to go around and tell everyone I have a problem. I can just take a break and call it dry January. And I think that was the first time I really gave myself permission to explore what alcohol free living felt like, because I had literally been drinking ever since I was 18, at least every single week for, you know, years at that point uh and so dry January comes and I just slowly start to fall in love with it I love how you know deep my sleep is I love how peaceful my mornings are I love how proud of myself I'm feeling every day I love how much happier I'm starting to feel and then February comes around and I still have this belief in my mind that like a normal adult must drink right if you're going to be an adult and you're going to socialize you better still drink alcohol And so I drank a few times to kind of fit in with that in February. And the contrast was so rich, like even two drinks would completely ruin my sleep. I noticed how happy I was in January and a drink or two would literally lower my mood. I would get cranky and exhausted and frustrated easily. And I was like, wait a minute, this alcohol thing is not what I thought it was. So I decided to take another break at that point at the end of February. And I've basically been alcohol free ever since over five years now. And every single day and week that went by, I literally started building a better version of me who's more aligned to my values, more aligned to my bigger dreams. And I went from literally being unfulfilled, working in a cubicle with a bottle of being the best thing to look forward to every weekend to now building a life with a business I love, a book I love, clients I love, traveling all over the world and finding fulfillment every single day.
0: I love that you mentioned that there are kind of like these misconceptions in terms of the, like, if you are sober curious or you're becoming alcohol free by choice, that must mean that you were like an alcoholic before, or you had a bad relationship with booze before, or that, or like, I feel like it's, it's a misconception that you must be in some religion or some belief system that bans it because you just could not possibly want to like be alcohol free by choice. And we know that's not true, but I think you're absolutely right where there's still kind of like this weird stigma there where there's a an inherent pressure or implication that because you are a grown up, you drink or that's something that just like that you just do. Um, so I'm really happy that you pointed that out. Cause like, it's not true. doesn't have to be. And I'm also, I'm currently alcohol-free because I'm pregnant, but for a while now, I would say I've also been on this sort of like personal wellness journey of realizing how my body feels. If I have a drink, like you said, even if it's just a glass of wine, a glass of wine or two, and not like you're going crazy balls to the wall, But just the difference in how your body feels, how your mind operates, how clear things are, just the whole nine yards, even just 12 hours after that happens. And I also I feel like pregnancy has been kind of like a little wake up call at times for me too, because I've I was never a big drinker either. But there have been a couple of times where maybe with our four year old, we were having a really tough time, really tough time parenting or whatever. And I would turn to my husband and say, man what I would do for a glass of wine right now. And I caught myself in the moment and I was like, oh my goodness, I am using that as a coping mechanism. That's not really all that great. Like That's not, I've never had a problem with it. But I knew in that moment, I was like, ooh, I'm, I'm reaching for something or desiring this because of something that is not necessarily a healthy connection that apparently my brain has made that like, when I'm stressed out, My brain thinks a glass of wine is going to be the trick to make it feel better. (laughs) So I'm with you, man. Can we kick it off with like some science, some cold hard facts here? Because I know you have this about like what alcohol actually does to our bodies and brains and what we can kind of realistically expect then from taking a break.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I just love it with your example, like that you illustrate, like what a slippery slope it really is. And like, really, like, let's let's look at how society primes it to be such a slippery slope. Like, we literally learn to drink as teenagers. It's like a rite of passage. If you want to fit in or be independent or pretend like you're an adult already, you know, like you learn to drink. And then it's embedded into every single social institution for the rest of our lives, right? And obviously too, like it's like even heart healthy magazines are like drink a glass of red wine every day. Every day is fine, right? So then like, what do people do? They feel stress every day and then they use alcohol as a way to cope with it. Like, It's seriously such a slippery slope the way it's just like normally embedded. And because of that, just a quick statistic before I get into the health most people over drink, like most people drink more than they should. Most people drink way above the health guidelines. And so like, it's not really like when we're talking about that, you know, who has a problem and who doesn't, well, society has kind of put it on us to all have a problematic relationship with alcohol because of the way that it's just introduced to us. You know, most people over drink. In fact, like there is really no safe drinking limit anymore. And we're just learning more and more about the science about how bad it is for our bodies. Canada even in fact lowered its drinking limits to now just two drinks a week for a woman, which, you know, is very little drinking, right? And that is like the lowest limit ever. Uh, But really, the studies that have been coming out over the last 10 years just validate that there is no safe amount of alcohol for the body. Alcohol is a toxin. It's technically a poison. It's the same substance, ethanol, that is in our car fuel, that's in our rocket fuel, that's in paint thinner, that's in hand bacteria that kills all bacteria. Like, it's not good for a human body, right? And our body goes on overdrive in order to detox it every time we drink. It overtaxes all of our systems in order to detox it. Because it's a depressant, it like slows our central nervous system down in a way towards sedation, but our body actually has a counter mechanism to counter that. And so our body releases stress hormones in response to alcohol. So when we drink alcohol for like, what? 50% 50% of the reason why people drink alcohol, especially at home, is literally because they think it's gonna relax them, right? After a stressful day or a temper tantrum, right? From a toddler. And, and alcohol is actually pouring out more cortisol, adrenaline, and dynorphin in the body, right? Which is just insane. So, like from a biological level, alcohol really does not relax the human body. And those effects can take longer to dissipate, even though we can detox alcohol. Depends on how old you are. So, like they say like one drink per hour. That's true if you're like a 15 year old or an 18. 18 year old. That's not true for older women whatsoever. It can take up to like days for us to detox alcohol completely. Um, but to detox all of those other byproducts, that alcohol releases in our system and the to- the toxin that is released to even metabolize alcohol, that takes much longer, up to even weeks. And so if you think about it, when someone is even not a heavy drinker, but they you know drink every weekend or they drink every time they socialize, like your body's always under assault with all of that that crap all of that chemical cocktail of chemicals that are racing through your body and so because of the stress hormones being released alcohol also lowers our ability to feel naturally our dopamine levels serotonin and gaba so people who drink regularly have lower happiness neurotransmitters and higher stress hormone levels it obviously also taxes our body in the sense that like uh, our liver is working over time to metabolize it and you know for anyone who's looking into their health and fitness journey or wellness journey we can't store alcohol. So we can store carbs and protein and fat in our body and not metabolize them right away, but we can't do that with alcohol. That sounds like a good thing, but it's not. It means that your body prioritizes detoxing that while all the other stuff you ate that day is on hold, right? So it literally slows down our metabolism and makes weight loss uh, was so much harder, but weight gain, especially is something that I personally struggled with when I was drinking. I thought I was doing all the right things, right. But alcohol was really making it super hard for me. Uh, one glass of wine has been proven to lower our REM sleep cycles. So we have around five to six REM sleep cycles every night between slow wave, deep, deep sleep, and then REM sleep. And we really need that REM sleep. It's when we have dreams and it's when our memories really get processed throughout the day. They have even uh, put rats under experiment where they deprive them of REM sleep for three weeks. And scientists can't tell us why exactly it's important, but we all know that it's important because all of those rats died without three, like they got all the sleep they needed, but they didn't get any REM sleep. And so one glass of wine has been proven to reduce our REM sleep cycles from five to six a night down to just one or two. So you could be clocking in the eight hours of sleep that you need, right? But not be getting the crucial nurturing cycles that you really need to have your brain feel whole, your body to be regenerized. And I felt this, like I literally felt this and you might too, from your experience, like you wake up after drinking exhausted. It doesn't matter how much you sleep, like you wake up exhausted, you wake up groggy. And so there's just so many more effects, you know, it it heightens our blood cholesterol because it actually produces more inflammation in the body. And studies show that when you take a break from alcohol, you will lower your blood cholesterol levels. You know, how important is that for all the millions of Americans who are on statins or worried about heart disease? Same with blood pressure, it heightens our blood pressure. So taking a break will lower your blood pressure. And this is some of the cool stuff that I love is literally just what happens to your body when you take a break. They've proven that cancer markers in the body and the blood actually go down and that liver fat heals, and that the brain starts to regenerate and grow just from a five week break from alcohol. So yes, there's like a lot of studies that are obviously proven that like at even small quantities now we know alcohol is very bad from our body, but our body is also this miracle that can really heal fast. And the longer you take a break from alcohol, the more your body is healing and really uh, lowering all of your odds for all of these kind of um, things that might be scared of. <laughs>
0: That was all such mind-blowingly interesting information. I feel like my jaw dropped 13 times listening to you say all of that. Holy moly. Now, okay. Right off the bat top. First question I have is like, do, do you, do you think people should just cut cold turkey, cut, go completely alcohol free? Um, or do you think there is room anywhere there for balance or for having one a week? It sounds kind of like not, but like, Just want to clarify that for everybody. Or is there kind of like a difference between certain kinds of alcohol at all? Or is this really kind of better to be looked at as like an all or nothing thing?
1: Yeah. So I think that's a great question, and obviously I'm not like a prohibitionist who's like, the whole world needs to stop drinking. But this is what I do believe. I believe that we were all conditioned to drink. I believe that at one point in another, it was the normal thing to do, either at school or work or college or whatever, and it got embedded into our habits from then on out. I think that other than pregnancy, really, like most people don't ever even have a chance to experience what life feels like without alcohol. And I think it's one of the most miraculous feelings ever. Your energy levels go up, your sleep levels go up, your skin becomes more radiant, alcohol breaks down collagen in the skin your eyes become brighter. You feel better. You have more energy. You feel like you have more confidence, more self-esteem. You're not breaking any promises to yourself. Your self-love goes up. Your ability to take care of yourself and have a healthy routine goes up. There's just so much magic that happens when you take a break from alcohol. So the way I see it is like, why wouldn't I want everyone to experience the gift of taking a break from alcohol? And this is why I love that word, the break from alcohol, because when you just try to drink less, like alcohol is something that's really hard to try to limit or reduce because we're always in situations that feel like okay I'm getting cokes to drink because I'm out with my friends or I had one drink and now I want another like it's just one of those kind of like slippery slopes that we talked about and it can cause a lot of mental chatter like for example I was thinking about alcohol all the time now I wasn't thinking about like oh god I need my alcohol it wasn't like that but I was like should I drink tonight should I not well my friends invited me out but I have that presentation tomorrow morning okay, we'll go out, but just have one drink. Okay. But you never have one drink. Okay. Make sure you sleep it off. Like my brain was this monkey mind, always thinking about the debate, the debate around alcohol, the mental gymnastics that I was doing. And so what I love about a break from alcohol is it kind of gives you a clean slate just to actually feel and experience what life feels like without alcohol, without the mental chatter, without the decision paralysis, without the decision analysis, and actually allow your body to heal completely. Because like Some of the things that I talked about that are changes that will happen in your body, they take a few weeks. So, you know, just four days without alcohol isn't quite enough to actually feel all those benefits. So your sleep cycles can rebalance anywhere from two to four weeks. Your neurotransmitters will rebalance anywhere from four to six weeks. So it kind of takes a while to really feel the amazing, amazing benefits from it. So if, if people could experience that, let's say you take a month or two months off alcohol. Two months is my favorite because it really gives you the full chance to really feel all those benefits that they're living and experiencing life in a way that they've never tried before. And it's almost like apples to oranges. Like you can really compare which one you like better. How do you like your mornings better? How do you, are you happier? Which one are you sleeping better? Are you proud of yourself more? Are you loving yourself more? Now, if you miss alcohol or you don't see it completely cutting out of your life, isn't it great that you took a break and kind of reset your habits a little bit around it, maybe worked on your mindset a little bit so it's not so dependent on alcohol. You found new emotional tools to take care of yourself. And if you want to introduce it back into your life, obviously you can do that with a heightened awareness and consciousness around it. Or you might fall in love with the break so much like I did and just not want to go back. So I think that's my recommendation is don't think about forever. Don't think about quitting drinking. Give yourself permission to experiencing how amazing it could be to live without alcohol for a short period of time. And then you have a full autonomy to decide what to do after that.
0: And that's so smart too, because there's no pressure on yourself with the end. And it feels so much less daunting than saying, all right, I'm never going to drink again. Because then if you I feel like in that case, you're setting yourself up for failure because you'll have a drink somewhere along the line and probably end up shaming yourself for it then. And it'll become a whole other problem. So if you're able to just be like, I'm on a break right now, like you said, Curious if you have recommended wording or ways to kind of share that with other people. If it, I mean, dry January is obviously like an easier time to do that because it's dry January. But if is there something that you have found or that you recommend ways to kind of share that with p- other people where it's received? Not that we care about, you know, how people are receiving things, but sometimes you do and you don't, you're afraid to tell a friend or afraid of feeling judged or whatever, so how would you recommend kind of like sharing that with other people? Like, hey, I'm on a I'm on a break. I'm not drinking where other people don't take offense to it or like internalize it themselves as a judgment on them and their decisions when it is obviously completely your own call.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think like that is like one of the biggest objections. Like I think a lot of people have a built-in habit and it's going to be very scary and hard to change it on their own. But then when we look at like, okay, I think I can, you know, I can take a break. And then it's like, oh, but what am I going to say? Or, oh, I have that wedding or, oh, I have that vacation. You know what I mean? So it's like really that like social pressure really does get to us. And that, especially the expectation that we're going to drink, like, like you said, you're a grown up. So the default is that you drink and you have to now come up with an excuse as to why you wouldn't partake in that drug. And I honestly think leading with the positive is really, really helpful. You know, a lot of times, too, we're still scared of like, well, what if they think that I was hiding vodka in my office? (laughs) Like, you know, like we go to the extremes of just we don't want people making up stories about us in their head. So I think leading with the positive is good. And honestly, being just very like truthful about it, like very short and sweet, though, like I'm taking a break and I feel amazing. No one can say to you like, oh, but drink because I want you to not feel amazing. Like it doesn't make sense, right? So like just having something short and sweet like that, or I'm taking a break and focusing on my health and wellness right now, you know, like who hasn't had that intention before in their life and can't respect that. And if someone can't respect that, you know, or they do feel threatened about it, it's very common that that will happen. However, it's such an indication of like their side of the road, their stuff, right? They're threatened by the idea of someone not drinking because they're insecure about their own relationship with alcohol. And honestly, just like giving them that level of awareness is a really good gift to them to be able to see things that they may not see that are making them feel uncomfortable to have a little food for thought around that, why that triggered them or why that, you know, is, is anything on them. But I think like, honestly, too, for yourself, if you're going out, you don't want to feel deprived either. Right. So like really lean on having mocktails and alcohol-free beverages. And you might find yourself that like, you actually can have your cake and eat it too. Like you can go out with your friends and have a good time and talk and, and really actually be present and connected with people. And you can wake up the next day and still do your morning workout. You know, it's not like an, or situation, like it usually is when alcohol is involved. And that's an amazing feeling really to like debunk the idea that we need alcohol to have fun. And it's so ingrained in so many of our brains, you know, a lot of the work I do with women to change their relationship with alcohol isn't really necessarily about the behavior change. It's about the mindset change. Like we did pick up a belief a long time ago that alcohol is the biggest source of fun as adults. Right. And it's like, what did we do as kids? Like we all had a period in our lives where alcohol was non-existent and we climbed trees and we played roller skates and we went to sleepovers like we had so much probably more fun than most adults have today right with drinking and so it's like really asking yourself like this isn't about like this chemical stimulation that just releases fireworks up in the pleasure center of your brain while you're a passive zombie just sitting there drinking a beverage it's actually asking yourself like what organically brings you joy how can you create joy in your life how can you finally explore what makes you happy and what is fun for you. So it's also like this really cool self-discovery process of really redefining what fun is, what joy is, what like really brings you light and laughter. Like I found that I had this huge arm of my creativity that was untapped when I was a drinker. So untapped, right? So I started going to writer's workshops as I was, you know, taking a break from alcohol and really expressing my creativity by journaling and writing new, you know, different creative ways and it was like this like sense of purpose I got from it like wow like I feel so good expressing my creativity this way and now I literally use it every single day you know in my business and my book like I express myself through words all the time and it's contributed to literally my like my financial abundance as well like you really can do something you love for a living it's incredible And so like, you never know, like when you do the self-discovery work on yourself, you might really determine what you really want out of life, what you really need and what's really going to make you happy. So as like, as simple or even naive as it is to say, like, I've worked with so many clients now that like, I see the miracles people stop drinking and launch businesses. People stop drinking and write the books they always wanted to write. People stop drinking and move somewhere beautiful that they've always wanted to live. Like it's just something that helps you really go after your dreams because I think it gives you the confidence, the clarity, and the intuition to really know what that is.
0: That's such powerful stuff too. And I feel like it's so often overlooked because we are just so ingrained in those habits and in those routines. And even if it's not something that's habitual enough where it's recognized societally or within your own circles as being a problem. It's one of those things where you sit back and when you recognize how habitual it is, then you think like, man, I wonder what other habits I could have or would have if this was not a habit. Or you start questioning the quality of relationships. And if you can only have a conversation with a certain person when you're both having drinks in your body. Well, what does that say about the overall health of the relationship as a whole? I feel like it's safe to say that we often think of alcohol as like giving us more confidence too. Like you're at a bar and you want to talk to someone and you say you need another drink first, or like you take a shot before you take a risk, (laughs) or it's like, like it's literally called liquid courage. And it's clearly been associated as like the confidence boost. So beyond kind of like stemming off of all of this social stuff we've been talking about, talk to us about navigating your social life without a drink with confidence and kind of like how you can tap into other, maybe, I don't know, any other tips or tricks that kind of can replace that when when you've been someone who it's kind of been like that crutch to get you to do the next step for something, whatever that might be socially.
1: Yeah. And that's such a good question. Uh, Confidence is one of my top values. And yet I grew up painfully shy. That's probably why I grew up painfully shy. I'm an introvert. Like I'm not one of those life of the party people unless I'm drinking. Right. So when I did find alcohol as a teenager, it literally to me was this magical elixir that turned me into a different version of myself, this version of myself I wanted to be. And it was like the quiet or the reserved or just the more shy version of myself was like a shadow self that I didn't want to accept. You know, I just wanted to bury her. I remember even going to college and thinking like, I have this new identity. Now I'm a drinker. I'm going to make all these friends. I'm going to go to all the parties. Right. It was like closing the door of who I was before. And in so many ways, like, it's not like you can vilify alcohol every single time in every single moment. Like there's, there's a reason probably why we all drink and stuff like that. And it can be like, even a a weird way to grow, you know, through our lives but looking back then I never dealt with the insecurities like I never dealt with the insecurity of feeling not confident enough to talk to people at a party I just drank over it and I had that false sense of like courage you know alcohol never really made me more confident though it actually deteriorated my confidence over time I mean think about just all the times like you could embarrass yourself or you say something out of alignment with your character I remember making fake best friends and being like, oh my God, who was that? Like I gave her my number. What is going on? You know, the next morning. But even if it wasn't like that, I mean, for so long, I would telling my psyche that I need alcohol in the social situation. And it was as if I was telling myself like, Carolina, you're not good enough. Nobody actually wants to talk to you. You have nothing interesting to say, but here, drink this drink and then you'll be better. And it was so actually like deteriorating my confidence over time to use it as a crutch like that. I really believe confidence is something that no one is born with. It's something that we develop over time. And so I had halted my natural ability to work through my emotional resiliency and feelings when I started drinking to build my confidence. I just halted it right then and there and started outsourcing it to this outside tool called alcohol, which really wasn't working in the long run, right? So what I recognized when I removed alcohol from my life is, yes, I still felt nervous and awkward, you know, when I was going out. First of all, it's completely normal to feel awkward socially, like... That is one of the most natural human feelings. When kids go out and like just meet each other, like oftentimes they're hiding behind their parents' legs. And then 30 minutes later, you can't tear them apart, right? It's natural to feel that kind of anxiety at first as you're starting to slowly get to know a new person or people that you're just acquainted with. So recognizing and leaning into that can be healthy and using tools like, you know, maybe asking more questions and really listening to people and really having kind of like an in-depth presence instead of always thinking about you and what you're gonna say. But I remember for me, it was really like a muscle that I just didn't really work out ever before. It was like a sober socializing muscle that I just had to practice. And so, yes, it was awkward or nerve wracking the first few times, but like I got more confident in my skin, more and more comfortable and comfortable and more and more comfortable over time. And now I can say like the things that used to scare me just don't scare me whatsoever anymore, you know, like kind of like public speaking, like most people are scared of doing that at first. But if you have to do it or if you learn to do it in your job, you can repeat it over and over again to a point where it's not going to be as terrifying, you know what I mean? I will say too, though, that like... Developing that confidence within is really like living a life aligned with your values and your intentions. Like when you abide by the things you really want for yourself, you will feel so much more confident. I remember just getting to like three weeks without alcohol, four weeks without alcohol. I was like, who is this woman? Like alcohol was my Achilles heel for so long that it was like, oh my God, she's smashing it. This is super woman. Like most people on the planet aren't doing this. So it really built my confidence over time. Just like the daily showing up for yourself like that really, really can build your confidence and your trust in yourself. Like I trust myself to take care of myself and be there for myself. And, you know, socially, too, like, I'm still introverted. So, like, I have no problem, you know, networking and going into a room and speaking on stages and stuff like that. But I also recognize, like, I need me time. I need me time. I don't, I don't like to go to a bar till 2 a.m. Like, that's not fun. I'm on 35, right? Like, I'm over that. So it's also listening to like what I really want, what the ways I want to socialize, you know, so for some people who might find themselves more introverted too, maybe you really like one-to-one or one-to-two conversations and it'd be so much more fun to invite your friends for coffee on a Saturday morning than go to a big, huge party where you feel kind of lost in the crowd. So it's really like building that confidence up through actually working through your emotional development and emotional maturity, but also recognizing that you get to choose like what it looks like in your life, you know what I mean? And, and do what is really aligned with you. And
0: honestly, that level of self-discovery just sounds so much more empowering and so much more appealing. Like who, who wouldn't be listening to that being like, wait, yeah, like that actually makes so much sense and sounds so fantastic. (laughs) I'm curious what tips you would have to, for kind of like the transitional process when you are Still in a social setting with people, you are on a break yourself or choosing not to drink, but other people around you are drinking. And I feel like we've all been in that situation probably where people are making their own choices and at different levels. And like there reaches a point where it's pretty clear that you are sober and they are not. And I know personally for me, that's always something that I've kind of struggled with because it's it feels it can feel kind of fake or it feels kind of weird or just off when you are very aware of like who feels like they're being themselves versus who now feels like it's the alcohol kind of speaking. So I would love to hear kind of tips for navigating that <laughs> kind of also building off of all of this like social stuff and the transition of it all.
1: Absolutely. And I I really believe that, like, you're allowed to have boundaries. Like, if it's not fun for you anymore, you're allowed to leave. You're allowed to energetically distance yourself from the drunk person who's trying to repetitively talk to you. You know what I mean? And find someone. (laughs) <laughs> someone more on your level and you know I just think of it this way like Tony Robbins doesn't drink Gabby Bernstein doesn't drink Brene Brown doesn't drink Deepak Chopra doesn't drink Gretchen Rubin doesn't drink like these are multi-millionaire movers and shakers on our planet that do not drink and I can never like I could never see Tony Robbins going to a party and having people get annoyingly drunk in front of him and him feeling like he has to go down to their level to be able to relate to them Sometimes we can understand that like, we don't need to have every single need met by every single person around us, right? And that like, maybe there is a group of more like-minded people that we really get our growth or our connection from, you know what I mean? And not relying on our like in-laws to give us that kind of a thing, right? If that's a kind of a situation. Um, I remember too, like having this really stark realization where like, I just realized I had different goals than other people. I was at a game night and I wasn't drinking already. And I don't know, the game was just lasting forever, like it was almost 2am. And I was just like, don't these people have things to do tomorrow? Because I was writing a book at that time. And I really wanted to wake up early and be able to write my book. So it's also like, I think, okay, to just be honest with yourself that like, you might have a different vision than other people. And if you're out there trying to build a business, or if you're out there trying to build a movement or do something like really big and beautiful with your time, it's it's okay to recognize that like you can be different from other people. In fact, you were born to be different from other people and you don't have to stoop to like someone else's level in order to just get along for that one night and then regret it the next day because that person really doesn't matter right in your life. So I think it's like really holding the energy of being allowed to play big and not playing small and not playing small for other people. It's like a metaphor obviously. Honestly, I think just ditching alcohol in the first place is this huge symbolic like message for your life and what the universe really wants for you because you're letting go of what no longer serves you so you can really step into the version of yourself you're meant to be and these relationship dynamics and socializing dynamics are just strengthening you through that process as well so i would say to someone like find your alter ego find like someone you really respect out there that doesn't drink alcohol jennifer lopez doesn't drink you know, Anne Hathaway doesn't drink, Drew Barrymore doesn't drink, Lady Gaga doesn't drink, like, how would they handle that situation and mimic and model them? And you'll do it probably confidently with grace and, you know, not feel like you're the one who's like the odd one out. It's like, what are you really trying to belong to? You know, who do you really want to belong with?
0: Ah, so many snaps to all of that. And what I love so much, I feel like a helpful reminder for everyone too, is we're not, in any way shape or form trying to shame people who do still choose to drink alcohol like you do you that's okay it's a different journey but i feel like if you're someone who has felt judged yourself in the past for making a choice like not drinking or if you've been the person at a party saying no and then someone threw threw their things at you you can automatically feel like that's going to be what happens where like your natural tendency is okay then i have to make other people comfortable instead of actually asking yourself the hard question of like but am i comfortable and am i enjoying this and like you said you can just have different visions of what your life looks like and that doesn't mean that you are putting them down or judging them or anything like that it just means that you're different people on different different wavelengths and different trajectories and it's all okay and you can totally do you confidently And, and, and that's, and that's that really, that's like, you could just drop the mic after everything you just said, because it was just so good.
1: (laughs) And I really do truly, I love the way you say like non-judgmental, you know, everyone's on their own growth journey and not all people are meant to like reevaluate the role of alcohol in their life. They've got other things that they're supposed to reevaluate and change in. you know, so respecting that as well, but also like not forcing yourself to do something that's so uncomfortable for you just to make, the person who's not even going to remember the next day, like happy in that moment, you know what I mean? Like they have the whole world validating a drinking culture. So like you being the one person at a party, not drinking, like if that threatens their whole worldview, again, that's on them. (laughs) Okay. So on that note, I want to know what are some of your personal favorite coping
0: mechanisms that are healthier and better and
1: more effective than booze? Yeah. Great question. So I want to go way back to, to like what was really helpful at first, and then I'll tell you some of the things I've also discovered all on my journey. First of all, like there is such a ritual around drinking. It's a ritual when we put together like a nice glass and we put some time into it. We're also so overproductive in our society. Like everyone's racing around to do all million things are to-do list, And so the idea of coming home at 6 PM and saying no more emails, no more work. I'm going to sit down and enjoy a drink. That's not wrong. Like in, in a beautiful way, the ritual itself is actually really beautiful to give your brain permission to relax. In fact, they actually did this study where they put brain nodes on people who just got off work. And so they're able to measure their brain waves. And everyone's brain waves are really chaotic. Everyone's pretty stressed out. They just finished a work day and they sat down at a bar or restaurant. And then everybody orders a drink. And all of a sudden, their brain waves smooth out. They get nice and relaxed. Now, here's the kicker nobody actually drank the drink yet. They just put the order in, right? So it's almost as if the anticipation of being able to relax is what relaxes the brain, not the ethanol itself. And so having carving out that window of time for you to just slow down, especially if like that's a habit you've had before is like drinking after work or on the weekend or whatever, Mocktails do such a good placebo effect like that, like you're still doing the ritual, you're enjoying all these incredible beverages, there's so many beverages on the market these days, like literally thousands of alternatives, whether they're actually alcohol free beer, alcohol free wine, alcohol free spirits, or these new health concoctions that they have new nootropic new drinks, health elixirs, you name it, there's thousands of beverages out there that don't have ethanol in it. And I always like urge my clients and encourage them to find one that you love, right? And it's an easy thing because what you're doing is you're not having to change the habit overnight, but you're changing the drink, right? And so it's really easy to start just doing that. Same thing socially. Like you don't want to feel deprived with a tap water hanging out in the corner. Bring a fun drink, right? Or find a bar or restaurant that has good mocktails, Like that's really expanding these days. So that's like the easiest, easiest go-to is just replace it like that. However, obviously there's so many other tools out there to actually process our emotions and to really have emotional regulation in our life so starting to experiment with different tools and techniques that will really help you either feel your feelings process your feelings and clear through that stress are really helpful as well Uh, so journaling was really helpful for me to even recognize like why am I so stressed like why am I pent up am I having resentment to my boss to put so much work on my plate or like what's really going on. But a lot of times too, we just have to like process it through the body. And so I love things like yin yoga where you're literally sitting there and stretching for five minutes at a time in certain poses to just like release the tension from your body. I love watching the sunset. Like it doesn't matter what's going on in my life, right? There's just a million emergencies and fires you're putting out all day. And it just like feels so hectic. And then you go and watch the sunset and you're reminded that we're on this like spinning planet in the middle of a galaxy and that the like universe just painted this portrait in front of you like it really is like magical to connect to something like that. And so that can often like really soothe me and calm me so a walk in nature could also be really helpful in that sense. I think breath work is really powerful as a way to regulate the nervous system where again between our parasympathetic nervous system and sympathetic nervous system. One's the fight or flight. The other is like the rest and decompression. We're most of the time as modern humans operating in that fight or flight. So to just do things that sound so common sense or sound like they won't work, but to actually like try that for a moment and see if it like calms you down can be super helpful. So I really do love breath work. Um, Baths. I love baths. So I'll always take a bath almost every night unless it's like really hot. I love that just soothing, comfortingness. It's just my me time. I can read, I can listen to some good music or so. So that's really, really nice and soothing. And you know what the littlest thing too that I do, like when my workday is done, I will just like put my hair up into like a top bun. And to me, again, that just gives my body the signal to like breathe. It's the day is over, you can relax now. So it's just so uncanny how we can really bake in rewards into the littlest of rituals or habits. And that's why I think rituals are so beautiful. It's not like the ritual itself always that's so impactful. It's like what it's signaling to your body. It's time to relax and let go. And I really do believe too that when you're living life this way, like you're not pushing down your emotions, like alcohol, that all that is, it's really numbing your emotions. Alcohol literally is an anesthetic. They used to use it for surgeries back in the 1800s. Like it will never change your emotions. It will never heal your emotions. Like to experience, let's say burnout at work. And instead of like numbing it every single night, you could actually listen to those messages. Maybe I'm not happy in my career. Maybe I need a different position. Maybe I'd rather be doing my passion. And those messages are like your best teachers to show you what you really want in life. So it's so beautiful. I think not an easy thing to listen and process your emotions every day, but to do so, you're like, you're gonna be more attuned to your true north about what you're supposed to do with your life.
0: So good, so empowering. And I think honestly, kudos to people for even being willing to take the first step because that can be kind of scary. And if you are acknowledging emotions that maybe you've been intentionally avoiding or numbing, that can obviously feel difficult and not easy. But I think like everything you just said, there's so much goodness waiting on the other side. So if you're willing to take that first step, knowing that it's going to be potentially hard and will feel difficult or maybe will feel uncomfortable, but that it's worth it and you'll take it anyway, snaps for you.
1: Yeah. And you know, for me, like honestly, the feeling that I was like numbing the most, like I couldn't say this back then. This is so in hindsight, right? But it was boredom. I was so bored. Like I was also stressed, right? Everyone's stressed from like their jobs and stuff, but like, I was really bored. I didn't feel like my creativity and my, you know, sense of freedom and ingenuity was really being tapped. I wasn't feeling like I was making an impact or like I was really making a difference. And I definitely didn't feel like I was living the lifestyle I want to live. I hated commuting. I hating having a boss, you know? So allowing myself to feel boredom allowed me to then explore new activities and exploring new activities allowed me to find my passion. Finding my passion helped me find my purpose. Finding my purpose has helped me completely 180 my life to live a completely different life as an entrepreneur, business owner, author, you know, traveler, like it really was having to feel what I was trying to push down that catalyzed all this.
0: (laughs) Yes. It's been kind of the same for me because now when I catch myself, if I'm in a hard parenting moment and I'm like, man, glass of wine, where are you at? Um, now that's, it's kind of been through that where I've ended up finding some of my favorite parenting resources or favorite, whatever, because when you're forced to confront it and look it in the face and be like, all right, I can't just numb it. So I have to figure out what to do so that I feel differently in the future or so that I get a different end result, um, then you end up finding solutions along the way to things that you might not have even realized were problems, or you find other alternatives. And like, like you said, it's that that process can be so eye-opening and so rewarding and can have way bigger impact than you were even expecting going into it. So man, it might be tough in the moment, but if you can get through the moment and figure out some bigger things on the other side, it's like, it is rewarding.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Well, Carolina, thank you so much for coming on Thrive. This has been like such a cool conversation that I think will resonate so hard. So I really appreciate your time and I want to get things wrapped up by asking you what we ask everyone to close the show, which is what does Thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your own everyday life?
1: Yeah, I think thriving is like really living in your full potential every day and striving to be the version of yourself you really want to be. I think thriving is knowing that by the time you're 90 years old, hopefully that you're not going to live a life looking back in regret and that you really took it all and did the things you really wanted to do with this one and only lifetime and thriving every day. Obviously, we forget that every day. (laughs) We forget all the time, right? We fall asleep at the wheel all the time and just kind of get stuck into the, the the inertia of life and whatsoever. But having a way to deeply connect with yourself at some point uh, through your week or through even your day to just remember what like really matters, what your real priorities are, what you really want and to, to really get focused on that. I think to me, that's what thriving looks like.
0: Amazing. Well, tell everybody where they can connect with you online and find you, grab a copy of your
1: book and chat with you further. Awesome. Well, if you're interested in reevaluating the role of alcohol in your life and getting a really good body, mind, soul guide on how to do so, my book is called Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol, Gain a Happier More Confident You. You can find it at www.euphoricbook.com or anywhere you type in euphoric in a bookseller, you'll find it as well. And then if you're interested in doing any formal programs with me and in coaching, I also host retreats to Bali and Mexico. Um, I'm launching a coaching certification this year as well. You can find all that fun information at euphoricaf.com and then I'm mostly on Instagram. If you want to chat there, feel free to DM me, I'd love to hear from you and that's euphoric.af. Wait, before you go, make sure you're
0: subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to and come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in, it's your time to thrive.